This show is a production of Migration Media. To learn more about us and see a complete list of our shows, visit migrationmedia.net. From Migration Media, this is Migratory Patterns. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. And as has become tradition, we are wrapping up Season 3 with a discussion between myself and my life partner, legally <laughs> legally <laughs> married to person. <laughs> Papery wife. That's right, yes. Individual. That's right. The person who has signed the legal contract with me to be... Did, did we actually sign it or did I just do my fingerprint? Actually, I don't remember if we signed it. I feel like it's my thumbprint and maybe not a signature. We will check that. We'll have to check. We got the official document from the People's Republic of China that says we are legally married, which is interesting. Yes. But anyways, this is Elisa Rutherford-Fortunati, my wife slash partner, and we are in Bali. Yes. Currently sweating profusely. (laughs) It's basically the default position here is you're sweating profusely unless you're in a place where the air conditioner is blasting. Well, that's good for your health, right? That's very good for your (laughs) health. We have come come together at the end of season three to talk about the big transition in our life. Um, kind of to talk out a few issues. If you've listened to this show, you have heard me mention this, being in Bali, moving to Bali. If you listened to a recent episode of the podcast, The Bittersweet Life, you would have heard my interview on that show where I talked a lot about the issues that have come up for myself, as well as thoughts about my leaving China. But we're going to get into that between myself and Elisa right now. So let's do a very quick recap Why are we in Bali, for those who have not heard the story before? So um, we talked a little bit about this, I believe, in the last podcast. Right. The end of season two, we talked about we were going to go to Bali. Yeah. Yeah. So we're here now um, in part because I have joined a school here in Bali. And uh, the school focuses on mindfulness and holistic education, which is something I'm very interested in. Um, Of course, there's still a standard, thorough academic curriculum as well, but there's it's very holistic and focused on developing all aspects of the individual, which I think is an essential part of education. Yeah, they plug in the mindfulness and they have meditation classes, right? Not specifically meditation classes. One of the classes that the students do is yoga. One is gardening. Gardening, um, right. Yeah, and yeah. then also we have mindfulness time and morning circle times where we do do meditation or breath work or things like that. This is all it's plugged non, in. It's non-secular. It's, yeah. There's nothing um, religious about it in any way, shape, or form. But the students have the opportunities to develop techniques that can benefit them in a variety of ways. And this is all plugged into the British curriculums. So this isn't like some th- crazy I'd harebrained that, scheme. This is no, all. No, no. This is all. I mean, if you do research on it, there's tons of schools actually in England right now that are integrating mindfulness programs, and there there's definitely more and more research about the benefits of mindfulness for youth. There's already been quite a bit for adults that has shown um, how it can benefit us, our health, our mental well-being, um, and things of that nature. But as far as for students or youth, there's there's less research. It's 
it's being done now, but there's less. There are, there are already programs in the United States and, and other countries that are integrating this into public schools and private schools. So this is nothing new. It's nothing like um, shocking, but this school has been around for 20 years. And for me, after I finished my master's program, I really felt like I wanted to continue my education. And so in choosing jobs, I am choosing schools that not only I'm interested in the country or the school itself, but I feel that I can continue my education as an individual and as a teacher there. So Bali was the place that we ended up being drawn to, but it was more so in some ways the school that drew us here than it was the um, than it was Bali itself. There's lots of wonderful things about Bali, uh, but I think it was the program that it just kind of clicked. It was like this feels like the next right step. It's very much career oriented. Yeah, it very much. It's kind of different for us. Yeah, we, we neither of us has ever made that kind of a decision about our and life there- path before. There are other schools, of course, that have these um, type of programs integrated into the core structure of their schools. But again, it was partially that it this felt like the right place. Yeah. For, for, for anyone who hasn't heard before the story, we've actually, we had a chance to come down here and actually visit the school. We were down here on holiday last winter, last Northern winter, as we <laughs> have to start referring to it now. Uh, last Northern winter, we were down here on holiday during the Chinese New Year break. The school was here. We checked it out. It was great. You had a really good feeling when you met with the people. And the environment is really nice. And it's so different from Beijing. And there's lots of great vegan food. There's lots of, uh, you know, lots of juices we can drink and lots of healthy food. So there was a lot of things that made us feel like, oh, this is not only career-wise for you, that was the paramount. But then all the other things kind of lent it to being so different, but in a way that we were interested in exploring. Right. Right. Now, when we got here, we ran into some unexpected road bumps. And uh, some of them were kind of, a, they were of the kind that you would expect to run into, it, which is kind of oxymoronic, unexpected, but they could be expected. <laughs> Basically, it took us way longer to find a place to live than we thought it would. I think we'd budgeted in three weeks to find a place, and Mm -hmm. it took us seven. I think in general, to be a bit self-reflective, both of us, I don't think we were... No, you know, arrogant in the sense of, oh, we've got this. We've moved to across the world before. We've moved to another country. I was very much like that. <laughs> okay, so maybe you were. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we were. Ne- I wasn't necessarily arrogant in the, that exact way, but, I, but there was, there was an arrogance there. Of we've done this before. We know how to do this, and I think we were both naive in thinking. Um, that since we've gone through that whole process before, that we would get here and yes, things would be different, but it wouldn't be such an intense culture shock. I honestly, again, this sounds incredibly naive, um, reflecting on it, but I didn't really expect to get culture shock. 
And um, I just thought, well, you know, I can kind of, because I love people watching and I love experiencing um, new perspectives and traveling new places and just experiencing different things. So from my perspective, there was this sense of like, I've done this before. You know, I traveled across the United States. I've lived in this place. I've lived in that place. I lived in. And so when we got here, we gave ourselves a week to just settle in and enjoy ourselves. And we were really having a great time. And then at a certain point, we were like, okay, we need to dig into house hunting. And we had challenges finding houses in um, China as well. But it, this was a whole other type of challenge. Yeah. We didn't know what an acceptable price really was. And a lot of things you find out through word of mouth. Moving to a place that has a high density of tourists and not a, you know, the density of the population is low enough that you can feel it really changes how easy it is to find a house, um, reasonable cost of things. In China, there was always kind of a, a higher cost because we were foreigners, but I think it, there was time, it was, you didn't feel it quite as much as you do here. Well, here, it, it's not developed here. We went we in came, some some er, some aspects. N- well, no, it, it, we we came from a place where yes, we had to figure out the cultural differences and we had to navigate not knowing the language. But in a in big cities in Beijing, in big cities in China, especially in a place like Beijing, a tier one city, there are apps you can just plug in what you're looking for and you find the options. And it's not as simple as seeing what's there and hitting a button. You have to go visit and check places out, but. There's just a sink. There are two or three places you can go and you can just find lots of places. Here, it's not quite that simple. There are websites you can go to, but it's uh, p- places are notoriously not what they appear to be. Plus, also, we kind of put our restriction on ourselves, but we wanted to be in a very specific geographical area. You know, we could have probably had an easier time finding a place if we had gone a little further out from where we are. Like right now, where we settled is great. And it we got it to just within that circle that we had drawn on the map. And we kind of had to go to the edge of that circle to find what we wanted because you couldn't find exactly the attributes of the house that we wanted. And that was a real wake-up call. And for me, on my side, it was really about the lack of development. Like, we came from a place that is, it's almost like living in the future. Like, if you come from the U.S. and you go to China, some of these Tier 1 cities, it is like the Jetsons. It's just everything works. Everything is on an app. You can find everything at a push of a button. And most people speak enough English where you can get by. That's how I felt. I, I and then we come here, and none of that is none of that's here. I think that you have to make a caveat here that that's true on a lot of aspects, but at the same time, there was also moments where you're like, "What is going on? Why do I have to go to the bank ten times to make this one transaction happen? Why do I have to go to five different banks to find one that will do it? You know, I think that there are lots of um, challenges in every place you go. And there were lots of challenges in China. But for us, they were easier to navigate. Right. There was something about it. And again, it could be who we are. It could be when we went, when you went um, in particular. It could be the people we had around us. It's hard to say specifically, but there was something about 
about the way that Beijing worked that was easier for us to navigate. When we got here, I think both of us, it was just this huge wake up call of like, whoa, we have no idea what we were doing in this place. Every thing that we thought we gathered, every like tool we thought we had in our tool belt, one, it was still being shipped from China to <laughs> Indonesia. So we had to wait for it to get here. But figuratively, we had to throw it out. We had to completely say, okay, we're, and, and, and maybe that's not the experience that every expat has or every international migrant has, or maybe it is. I'm, I'm not sure. But for us, it was jarring. And, I, because I had my work and school, um, could find a grounding in that way. But you, you know, uh, working with migration media, it was, I think it was even more so jarring. Yeah, uh, I, I went from having a nine to five job that I had had for 11 years to coming to a place where I'm totally working for myself at the same time trying to find a place where we can live. I'm I'm scouting out places online, finding links for you while you're at school. And then if we're lucky after school, we can go visit a place or two, if we're lucky. Well, I actually started taking the headway on it. Yeah, you did. I was actually doing a lot of the research, the majority of it. And at a certain point, I got so overwhelmed after two or three weeks of doing it mostly on my own because I am more particular. To be com completely honest, I am more particular about certain things. And so that's why I had taken the lead on it, of course. But after a certain point, three or four weeks, I was like, I need you to take the lead now because I was so overwhelmed and burnt out by it. Um, so that's the house part of it, that we did have particular set of you know requirements that we wanted. Um, to find what we wanted in the very small geographical zone that we wanted to stay in and then find it within a price range. And at, at high tourism season. So a lot of these places are being rented out as Airbnbs. Yeah, yeah. We want to sign a yearly or a multiple year lease. And a lot of these places are going week to week, month to month. Um, so yeah, it, that was a, that was a struggle and that was kind of indicative of the road ahead. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was kind of rough. It was a lot rougher than I thought it would be. And I, the next thing I want to kind of talk about is how when we got to a week after we moved in, we haven't really settled. I had to do a visa run. And to, for that visa run, I actually went back to Beijing and it was rough. It was a rough time. I, I mean, I loved visiting Beijing. I loved seeing the friends I saw. I saw my friend. I, I saw more friends in the four days I was there than I probably seen, you know, during the normal course of a month or so, just because it's all packed in very tightly. And it was rough. I found out I really missed it, and it, and I didn't quite understand why. And uh, it was a struggle. And I remember we came. I came back, and we had a conversation, and we talked about how much we missed China. And it was quite shocking to us how much we missed it. If you listen to the last podcast that we did together, we were both having a hard time. I think at that point, I was almost having a harder time with the concept of leaving China. Which is unusual. Yeah, it's very unusual for me. I am a very flexible migrant. Um, I'm very flexible about my concept of home. 
especially knowing my partner was going with me and and all of those things, it, it was surprising to me how much, how deeply I was feeling it. Um, I kind of come to a place of acceptance. When we got here, it all came flooding back. And I actually had to even ask, like, please don't talk about China. Please don't talk about Beijing. Um, because it was so heartbreaking. I had such deep grief about leaving, even though it had felt like the complete right decision, it was gut-wrenching. And both of us, me in particular, kind of came to this place that I realized, I mean, there was so many beautiful benefits and things that we got from being there, challenges as well. But what I realized eventually was that, you know, it's partially that Mike and I got together there. We got married there. We had our first apartment there. You know, we used to... We bought our first furniture together yeah, there. Yeah, we used to, like, just have incredible weekends, either walking around a park or walking around an Ikea. <laughs> you know? It, Which is kind of like a park. Yeah. <laughs> Big a, enough. A people-watching park. <laughs> uh, it's an incredible experience in China. You should do it if you ever have the chance. But it was, yeah, I mean, it was... There was so many powerful memories there and when we left of course we didn't leave those memories but we left the things that physically tied us to those memories and that was definitely just such a process of grieving yeah it's tough and i honestly don't quite know why i feel that way like i mentioned this in my interview on the bittersweet life with katie sewell that I didn't feel this kind of missing, this kind of longing after I left Boston, which is the place I grew up and I have such an intense, deep love and connection uh, to my hometown. And I, I still don't feel that way. I mean, I feel out here in the world as an international migrant, I am kind of in my element. I'm, I'm, I found my calling. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. And I'm with the person I want to be with. But that, it's getting better, the whole separation from Beijing. You know, you, you, as the time goes on, the, the ache fades a little bit. I had to do another trip back just actually a week or two ago, and it was a lot easier. But I'm just not sure why I felt that way, and hopefully I can figure that out because I don't want to go through this again. <laughs> maybe it's <laughs> may, maybe it's 11 years. Maybe it's all the amazing life experiences and coming into myself. Maybe that's the reason, but... I got to tell you, if we're here in Bali for a handful of years and I feel this way after moving out of a place, I I, I don't know if I'm able to handle this. We're going to have to find you a job somewhere where we don't have to move. Well, I think that is actually something that I think we're still on the path of being international migrants. And I think we are still on the path of um, living in various places throughout um my career and your career, but more so it, it's my career that will take us different places. Um, I, I think that we're still on that path, but I think it did call us both to question how many times we want to do this. Yeah, the, the shipping things here. I mean, we, we downsized our lives 
a lot. I mean, we threw out everything or gave away or sold everything that did not bring us joy. And <laughs> Marie Kondo would be very <laughs> proud of us. Well, maybe not, because we still had five <laughs> cubic meters worth of stuff, which actually is not that much. I no. mean, you, when you say five cubic meters, I mean, I took a picture. It's basically didn't even fill half of one of those mini pod containers, but it took so long to ship it. And it was so expensive. And it's funny now that it's arrived, there's kind of this nesting process that's going on and it feels really nice. And I, and a, and a lot of this, the transition is, is feeling a little easier because it's just every day you do a little something, you put something away, something finds its place. And then it just feels nice. Like, Oh, this place is a little more ours now. Yeah. And that's really nice. But yeah, we're going to have to figure out some other way to do this. And I, and actually, I've never talked to people who move around so much. Like when we left Beijing, we were living out of our luggage for about four months because we left China. We spent a month in the U.S. Then we spent uh, two months searching for a place here. And actually, even the first couple of weeks we were here, we were still kind of living out of our luggage. It really wasn't until I got back from my visa run. So it was a three and a half months living out of our luggage. I don't know how people can... It didn't feel good at all. No. It felt very ungrounded. And I think part of what attributed to that as well is that finding that community and that friend circle is a very different experience. If you are in a place where you're, you know, it just, okay, let's just meet everybody and forever, however long you're here, that's great. And we'll start a friendship and maybe that friendship will last for three hours and then I'll never see you again. Or maybe it'll be a couple months. That's great. There are definitely people who are here long-term, but finding that long-term community and finding those people that are grounded and living here, but still open to other people is challenging. And so we were searching for our home. We were waiting for all of our things that were our nesting items to arrive from Beijing. We were starting to kind of look for socializing opportunities and all of the things we were finding were just not very grounded. They were all transitional. The relationships were transitional, except for the people that I was meeting at my work, which was lovely, but I think uh, we were also searching for community beyond that and kind of just feeling things out. Um, I can be at times introverted. I call myself an introvert or an ambivert. So I definitely have desired deeper friendships in the in the last few years and to not have quite as big a friend circle, but to have the deep friendships. And we did meet some some very nice people here, but... A lot of people are here for a very short amount of time. And so figuring out what community means here has been an experience. Yeah, and that's been a little bit tougher for me because I don't have a professional environment that I go to. I don't have a set roster of people that I interact with every day. I don't have a routine. I have to develop my own routine, which is tough. 
basically you have to pay to have a routine here if you want to go to like the same co-working space every day and then you have to make an effort to engage with people you don't you don't have common cause with people going to a job what i've discovered is going to a job is very freeing which is an seems like an oxymoron because when you go in their structure everyone has a way that they're operating. Everyone's part of a team. You're a part of that team. You know your role. Everyone's roles are defined. And within that context, you can engage with people. And that is very grounding and very freeing because it gives you space to explore relationships with people, how to relate to people. Is that someone who could be a friend outside work, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Here, it's not like that. And even if I go to the same co-working space every single day, the people who rotate in and out of there are constantly changing. Whether it's someone who doesn't go there every day just once in a while, or it's someone who's there for a month on rotation and then they go to some other place, it's really this whole different animal. One interesting thing that happened to me is actually it was last night. I went, I went to this kind of community event at a school and it was awesome because everyone who was there were our age. <laughs> <laughs> and most of them had kids and there were vendors. It was kind of like this, this fair at this school where they had vendors and, and food and rides and all this cool stuff. And, and I met a bunch of people and it was the first time I felt like, Oh, there is a community here and there are spaces where these people gather and I can gravitate to them. It doesn't have to be about me going to work every day. I can build those relationships and find those structures outside of workplace, which is something I've never had to do, really. Mm -hmm. um, work has always provided kind of the foundation. Even when I was in Beijing, I was in Beijing, I found my job, uh, you know, two months after I arrived there. And yes, I'm m m all of my friends I met outside work, but I had that grounding in a job that I went to every day. I had that steady income that afforded me the ability to go out and drink lots of alcohol and party at clubs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm going to do that now. But yeah, so it's been really difficult for me to navigate this space because it is so different from any other space I've ever experienced. And if we go to a different city in a few years, it may be totally different again. It may be right. another one of those cities where people tend to live there. Here, this is a place, there are people who live here, but there's also a huge proportion of the people just pass through. And it is really tough to find those spaces to navigate through the environment in such a way that you don't feel isolated. Yeah. Hey, everyone. If you like the kinds of conversations that we have here on Migratory Patterns, you should check out Pop Abroad. Host Michelle Ibarra is on a mission to help expats and migrants live their best lives overseas by talking with the people who are doing it right now. During her first season, she's talking about community, why we need it, how we can use it to get a leg up, and how the best community leaders make theirs work. Listen in as she interviews the incredible women who are killing it overseas to hear how they are creating community in their adopted homes. You can learn more and hear the latest episode at migrationmedia.net or just search for Pop Abroad wherever you get your podcasts. So the last thing I want to talk about was is kind of the physical environment vis-a-vis -vis transportation infrastructure. And this sounds like I'm going to get all wonky, but I've discovered there is just a basic level of comfort that I have knowing that there is public transit around. <laughs> and here in Bali, there is zero, none, no public transit at all. Mm -hmm. You have to either get a cab or a car hire or a bike hire and let me let me tell you if you're not riding a scooter you ain't going anywhere very fast 
you got to have a scooter. Otherwise, you are sitting in traffic because the roads are narrow. You can't walk anywhere. I see people riding bike and I, riding bikes, and I think, oh, my God, those guys have a death wish. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> the roads are just so treacherous. It has been a wake-up call for me. Now, the flip side of that has been, ever since I started riding the scooter, man, does it feel awesome. Like, to get on that scooter and go, and I know I'm not going that fast, but I'm going pretty fast. It feels very liberating. I, w- I was telling you, I think I might be a motorcycle guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I never thought of myself that way. I mean, if we get back to North America at some point, I might want to get a motorcycle or a really nice scooter. <laughs> really enjoying the scooter. Yeah. I never did the scooter thing in Beijing. Scooters are everywhere in Beijing, but I always rode a bike because I partially because I wanted the exercise, but also just because even there it was a little treacherous and I just felt safer on the bike because it's a smaller frame and I can weave in and out much more agile than cars and scooters. But here, man, I really like that scooter. I have had a different experience with that. Maybe for you, like the community has been harder to find. For me, dealing with not being able to just walk places or take a bus or the subway. I really don't like not being able to walk. Oh, yeah. That's For me, too. For me, too. And that, um, you know, for me, part of how I explore and find my grounding in a place is to walk. I love walking places. I mean, for us to walk to the grocery store that's kind of on the other side of our neighborhood, which is not that far, no. it's like a treacherous. Yeah. At some it's point, dangerous. At some point, we're walking in the middle of the road. Yeah. It's dangerous. And so I think that was, although we had visited here, that was one of the things that was like, oh, wow, like you cannot walk here. There's there's a few areas that have sidewalk or enough of a shoulder where it feels safe. It's a touristy area. Yeah. yeah. But most areas, there is no shoulder. And if there is a shoulder, there's probably a bike on it. <laughs> yeah. The, in the places where it's not a touristy area. Uh, as in a, like a motorcycle yeah, or a scooter? In, in a place where it's not a touristy area and there is actually a sidewalk or a shoulder that is separated from the road, it is not going to be free of motor vehicles. Yeah. Like there's not, people do not walk here. There's no, just no, no consideration given and for I, that. And because I love walking for the first three or four weeks we were here, actually more than that, I think the first seven weeks, I did walk. And people would be like, I saw you walking. <laughs> or as people or some of the people from my school would stop and be like, do you want to ride? And I'm like, no, this is purposeful. It's okay. Yeah, we actually purposed. <laughs> this isn't a mistake. Yeah, the first two months. I am walking because I want to be. The first seven weeks while we were looking for a place, we purposefully found like Airbnbs that were within walking distance yeah. of your school so you could walk every day. Yeah. And I met I met some amazing dogs. Not everybody has a great experiences with the dogs, but I met some amazing dogs who were lovely. There was this like huge mama pit bull that I would see every time and she was so sweet and yeah, and I got to like walk through a rice field and then on a crazy busy road and then to my school and there was lots of uh interesting and enjoyable experiences in that. But for me, since I started learning to drive um, when I was 15 and a half, 16, I've had a lot of anxiety about driving. And I'm not sure if it's proper to call it a phobia or if it's just to say that it it definitely causes me anxiety. Um, And I've driven across the United States for three and a half months on my own. I've, you know, I've done a lot of things that required me to drive, but if I don't drive for a long period of time, it it starts to make me anxious again. So in moving here, where basically if I want any freedom, I have to get on a scooter, um, 
has been intense. And I think part of the reason that this is important to talk about is to talk about mental health and what that means as an expat. Because you're going through an experience that's often hard to explain to people that have not been through that experience. And you may be used to a certain type of healthcare and mental health care in your home country. And finding that elsewhere can be extremely challenging. I think talking about mental health and mental health challenges is incredibly important. I am doing fine, but I do have a lot of anxiety about this thing that is a central and important part of life here in Bali. Getting on the scooter. Yeah, I'm getting on the scooter. And... Um, This is definitely one of those times where I'm like, okay, what kind of counselor can I reach out to that can uh, maybe support me in that? Or that we could even talk about the experiences we're having as partners and on our own individual journeys. Because for both of us, this was the first time that we moved to a new country with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so on many levels, that was wonderful because we had this partner to go on this journey with. But you cannot also expect that, even if you're in the same place, doesn't mean you're on the same journey. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. We, We The way we did it is we were traveling for a month. And even during that month, we were kind of separated for a week or two doing our own thing in the U.S. But then we came through Beijing and then we came here to Bali the first week we were just kind of hanging out so we were kind of uh, almost on this travel vibe together like we're traveling we're on the road we're we're getting on a flight we're going to this hotel we're going to this Airbnb we're going here and then at some point it stops being a trip together and it starts being we've moved someplace together Mm -hmm. and that's where it started to feel different yeah and I could see for us, we have been able to maintain and um, allow our relationship to shift and to grow as we're here. But I, you know, I think I was talking to you a couple weeks ago or something like that, that, that I bet there are quite a few international migrant couples that break up when they move to a new place. Because for both of us, we were able to thankfully talk through our experiences and to share that with each other. But it has been so incredibly intense and kind of like stepping back from that and looking at it together. It's like, wow, I think a lot of people could not survive this. Yeah. So even though that it might sound strange to be in one breath talking about motorcycles and the next breath talking about how intense it is for couples. It's one example of how, again, we were having completely different experiences. I'm I'm on the bike. I'm loving it. It feels like freedom. It's helping me ingratiate myself into the environment here. For me, it's super triggering. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm finding great community in my school for you. Not. (laughs) Yeah. And so, again, like, you know, I had a a lunch with um, somebody in the first few weeks that I was here. And they're like, how are you doing and everything? And I was like, I'm doing well. I'm actually doing really good. And and again, like on many levels, yeah, we're we're great. We're we're doing well. 
But then there's these other levels of processing the experience and figuring out what it means to be here and to be together here and to be having completely separate experiences in the same place is, it is really like mind blowing. It, it's jarring. I, you know, I, I know I've used that a few times, but I think that there has to be Okay, so in our first week here, there was an earthquake. Yeah, it was like a second day or something. Right? And so we're sitting on the couch, and it starts to shake, and I'm kind of noticing it. And Mike looks at me and says, is this this an earthquake? And I was like, yeah, it's an earthquake. It was very minor, so like we're both sitting there. Then it starts to get a little more intense. He's like, should we go somewhere? Yeah, maybe. Gets a little more intense. You can actually start hearing a roar. Yeah, Yeah, we were like, oh. Yeah, we need to move. And then it was done. So it was like, it was not a a big, but that's what it's felt like. It's felt like the earth has been shaking. That's actually a really great analogy because it started slow. We just noticed it. We had had enough time to question it. Mm -hmm. Something's happening. I think something's happening. And then it's like, holy shit, something's happening. And (laughs) And then then it's over. And then it's over. (laughs) And, you know, and so we're both kind of, that's that's what's basically the, the best analogy of like, we're looking at each other going, What's what's going on? Is something is something going on? Are we having experiences that are challenging? And then they're gone. And then it's like so it's this cycle of kind of being like, huh. Well, that's that was an experience. And I think we had those in Ch- in China, but for some reason we were able to take them in a different way. This feels different here. If yeah. we we went through this stuff in China, obviously a little it was different in the sense that when you got there, I'd been there for I think six years at that point. So you had someone to. Obviously, it's different if you go somewhere and you're moving in with someone. And there's mm-hmm. th- we had challenges with that where it wasn't your. Pl- we got our own apartment, and it was first place that was ours because the place you went to wasn't yours, wasn't ours. But that, but this, I don't know what is this feels so different. This pl- this whole experience feels so different. I don't know what the heck is. I don't know why. My first six months in China were super intense. You also got hired pretty quick. Yeah, too. I got hired a new school, and I was learning Mandarin, and I was just transitioning to being there, and it was. It, they were very intense, but, but for very different reasons. And again, there's been lots of things that have happened in Bali that I, have just rolled off my back. There was some tools in my toolkit that I was able to use. Like there was a whole bunch of stuff that happened with getting my work visa and bureaucracy that I could just easily allow to roll off my back because I've had crazy experiences with getting work visas before. I just want to interject the great story about us going to open your bank account. We have total China... China bureaucracy PTSD. <laughs> this was hilarious. We we had to go get you bank account, and we thought we need to bring every scrap of paper that we could possibly think of. We brought your work contract. We brought your work visa. We brought uh, birth certificates. We brought our marriage licenses and the English translation. We brought we brought our lease. We brought every possible thing. And when we got there, they just wanted the passport and and my work <laughs> your permit. work permit, yeah, yeah. which is called Kitas here. But yeah, it was like we had a we literally brought a backpack full of documents. Yeah, we we were so prepared, and then we got there, and it was like. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah. We, we we don't need as much. But again, like there have been lots of experiences that we've just like 
rolled with and have, you know, there's, I mean, we've been here for five months, four, four months, four months. And during those four months, so much has happened. So when we're talking about the challenges, there's been tons of things that I think other people would say, that's a challenge. And we were just like, whatever. And we just like, let it go. Cause there's yeah, we've t- lived in China. Yeah, we know challenge. There was tons of stuff <laughs> that we just like let roll off our back and lots of, again, lovely people that we've met. But, it, but there was all these other things that yeah, have been really humbling. And I think gaining humility is always a good thing. Um, because it makes you a more empathetic and compassionate person towards yourself and other people that are having those same experiences. But I think the the thing that it really made us realize was that we were going to have to evolve as a couple, that we were going to have to find our path here on our own, but also together. And that we were going to have to find our way to strengthen and maintain our mental health in a, in a different way. And it's been a really powerful experience in looking at where your priorities are, what you truly need, and what it means to migrate to different places. Do I think Bali needs more foreigners? No. Straight up, no. They should kick us all out. Do I think there are benefits sometimes to to having people migrate to an area? Of course. Of course. But I think, again, it's it's been an eye-opening experience on the impact you have when you move to a place and the impact that place has on you. Yeah. So uh, one one note before we get to the end, I spoke to a mutual friend of ours who will go nameless because she wishes to remain nameless. <laughs> she is from Hawaii, a place you have lived. Mm-hmm. And she, when I was telling her, when I met with her in Beijing and telling her about our experiences here, her eyes were just like, oh my God, it's just like Hawaii. I would hate it there. <laughs> she just is yeah. Like, and Hawaii is a place I've lived as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. so, so what you say when you're saying that, I'm just hearing her saying the same thing. And I yep. just can't wait till she comes down and you guys can talk about how much <laughs> this is like the things that are bad in Bali are like the, all the things that are bad in Hawaii. Right. Right. <laughs> so we've been here four months. We got at least a year and three quarters to go. Or Ma- more. Or more. Maybe we're open to it, but at least that. What do we think? What's the verdict? Moving to Bali, a decision that we made. Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> Moving to Bali, a decision we made. <laughs> a decision we made. Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> oh, God. So, can I have more fingers than just my thumbs? <laughs> I, well, I'll stop. That didn't come off right. I. <laughs> I just, I need at least a couple digits to explain how I feel. You need a five-star rating. You can't do yes or no. You got to have gradations of ratings here. And I need to rate different things. So, so. so I need categories. This is not how the internet works. You get, you get to This is how I work and the internet can deal with it. 
Well, I'll start. I'll say thumbs up, and I'll repeat the same reason I gave when I was on the bittersweet life, which is I need to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And yeah. I was super comfortable in Beijing, and I was I'd found yep. this thing I wanted to do with migration media and cross border communications, and trying to create a space where expats and migrants can create culture together, bring us all closer together, even though we're far apart. That's what I want to do. I can't do that if I'm in a place where I have a nine to five job and I know all the ropes and I don't have to work for anything. I need to be uncomfortable to force me to do some stuff. And in that sense, I'm glad we moved here. Mm -hmm. Would I trade in some of the experiences you've had? (laughs) Yes. But I'm actually, I'm, I'm, because we're not fully through a lot of the stuff that we're still dealing with, it's kind of hard to feel this way, but I tend to look back at the hardships in my life and the stuff that I've overcome or survived through. Those are things that, those are like mountains I've climbed. Those are things I can point to and say, I accomplished that. I got mm. through that. Mm. And I feel like I'm not quite there yet, but when we get, I'm, I'm almost there. And when we mm. do, I'll be able to say, moving to Bali and making the transition was a thing that I accomplished. Yeah. And Combine that with the fact that I've been uncomfortable and it's helped me to learn how to do something new. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's a thumbs up for me. Yeah. Uh, I'd say work life, work community, kids in my classroom, teachers I work with, administration, all of the people surrounding that aspect of my life, two thumbs up. Wow. They are beautiful, incredible, kind, hardworking, you know, there's always challenges no matter where you go and different things, but two freaking thumbs up. Um, as far as finding my grounding here, I have pinky. Oh, <laughs> pinky. pinky's sideways. Pinky and pointy finger. <laughs> TBD. TBD. That's what I mean, really. TBD. <laughs> Still working on it. Yeah, still working on it. We got to get you on that scooter. Generally, opportunities for growth, thumbs up. Like you said, I think that that was a perfect, perfect way to say it, is those opportunities where you are uncomfortable are perfect moments for growth. That's why we came here, and we are getting exactly what we came here for. Yeah. Well, let's leave it there for now because we are going to come back next week with a special guest who's going to actually talk to us about some of the issues that we've talked about, some of the stuff we have been going through, help us maybe find new ways to think about it, and maybe even tell us a little bit about ourselves that we haven't figured out yet, which wouldn't be that difficult, I guess. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for doing this, baby. Yay. We're going to turn the fan back on. Yay. Stop sweating. This has been a Migration Media production. To learn more about the lives of international migrants and see our lineup of shows, visit us at migrationmedia.net or look for us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.